0: All right, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you should know by now that we are incredibly, incredibly pro-life here at Undaunted Life. I mean, if there's any one issue, I've said this before, if you're going to be a one issue voter, I think that standing up for the least of these, the unborn humans that are being slaughtered on a daily basis in the United States and around the world, that should be your one issue. Like we're very big on that. We're very upfront about that. And we try to give you resources about that as well. If you go back to episode six of this podcast, right, all the way back to episode six, I go into a deep dive into the arguments about abortion, kind of where Roe v. Wade came from, all these different things, get into the science of everything. Again, if you go and listen to any of our initial podcasts, that first maybe 10 or 12 or so, again, I just want to warn you, the audio isn't as good as it is now. Didn't really know exactly what I was doing. I was too close to the mic. I kept hitting it. It is what it is. But then also on episode 78 of this podcast, it's called Answering 17 Pro-Abortion Arguments, because here's the deal. If you're ever eyeball to eyeball with somebody that thinks it's okay to kill a baby in the womb, you need to know how to reckon with that. You need to know how to combat some of the things that they're saying, how to call out the things that are nonsense. Again, not not to be a jerk and not in a way that's going to embarrass you or, you know, sully the name of Christ or anything like that. But at the same time, we're asked to to give an apologetic for our faith, an apologia for what we believe in. And if you believe in this and you believe in God's declinate or, you know, uh, definition, there we go. That's the word I was looking for. If you're going for God's definition of what life is, you've got to be able to stand up for that, right? Like you've got to be able to do those things. But part of that as well is you have to remain informed. Because guys, this is a, a shifting landscape in a lot of different ways. There's always seemingly something that's coming out about the abortion topic or something that's even tangentially tied to the abortion topic. And guys, over the last couple of months, this last two or three months, there have been a lot of different things that have happened in the world of abortion. And I'm just not sure that you're getting the information because if you follow some more right wing news sources or maybe life news or something like that, where I get a lot of my news on there, yeah, you're going to stay up to date on most of those things. But guys, you're not going to see the things that we're probably going to be talking about here. You're not going to see those, you know, on your favorite television station. You're not going to see it on the, you know, five o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news. You may not even see it. If you're a Fox news person, you may not even see it on Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram. You may not see it on any of your favorite shows. You're certainly not going to hear about this on CNN or MSNBC. And if you do hear about something like that, it's always putting kind of the pro-life side of things in in the crosshairs. Like, oh, what are these pro-life, you know, people that hate women, what are they thinking? of next and what are they going to do next to to basically keep us from our rights, you know, stuff like that. But I want to make sure to keep you guys in the news as much as possible. So when there's, you know, kind of an isolated news story, I want to bring it to you. But the the reason why this episode is called Abortion in the News is because I want to actually go down and talk about, I don't know, maybe it's about a half a dozen or a dozen or so different news stories that have occurred in the last several months. And it's not to test you to be like, ah, oh, shame on you, you should have known this. But it's just to let you know, just to inform you that this is a constantly evolving topic, that there are tons of different people with a lot of different opinions. But if you go to places again, like Life News, I I really like following Life News. They are very, very pro-life. And so most of their stuff, even if they're reporting the news is tinged with the pro-life side of it. It's kind of got that tone and tenor and manner to it, but that's okay. I mean, it is what it is because the news part of it is accurate. It just kind of is what it is. So I'm just going to go ahead and run down a few things here. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some practical takeaways. Okay. So what you may not have heard of is that planned parent, planned parent, Parenthood actually fired their CEO here recently within the last couple of months, right? So that was Dr. Leanna Wynn, And the thing was, is they fired her after only about eight months on the job, right? That is not something that happens very often with Planned Parenthood, where they just kind of have CEOs come and go. I think it's, it was actually uh, her, her actual title was president, not CEO, but they don't really go through presidents that often, right? It's not really something that they that they're known for is just kind of having a revolving door of presidents. But the thing that I found was interesting, is what happened afterwards, right? So so let me talk a little bit about that. Uh, but real quick, before I talk about that, I want to go ahead and read to you what Dr. Nguyen actually posted. I think she posted this on Twitter after she was basically put out as president and CEO of Planned Parenthood. Uh, and so let me go ahead and read this from her. So it, this is a statement from Dr. Leanna Nguyen, uh, Nguyen, president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and president of Planned Parenthood Action Fund. So this is her comment here. As a physician and public health leader, I came to Planned Parenthood to lead a national health care organization that provides essential primary and preventative care to millions of underserved women and families, and to advocate for a broad range of policies that affect our patients' health. I believe that the best way to protect abortion care is to be clear that it is not a political issue, but a health care one, and that we can expand support for reproductive rights by finding common ground with a large majority of Americans who understand reproductive health care as a fundamental health care that it is. I am leaving because the new board chairs and I have philosophical differences over the direction and future of Planned Parenthood. It has been an honor and a privilege to serve alongside our dedicated doctors, nurses, clinicians, staff, and volunteers who are on the front lines of health care in our country. I will always stand with Planned Parenthood as I continue my life's work and mission of caring for and fighting for women, families, and communities. So that's the end of her quote there. Uh, she's, she's just so uh, much for fighting for women and families, except she, she's okay with us killing, you know, women, you know, future women in the womb, but you know, that's either here or there, but here's, what's interesting about this news story. Like there's a lot of things here run that she kind of came out with this public statement that she clearly wrote with the help of Planned Parenthood. Uh, it was funny that she mentions the uh, political side and the healthcare side, but this is what was interesting when she was hired I believe that she was the first president and CEO of Planned Parenthood to be an actual doctor, an actual medical doctor. And that was very interesting because you could see that the style um, uh, of kind of what Planned Parenthood is going to do is they were going to move this towards being a medical issue, which is weird. Because science and medicine don't really agree with the majority of the arguments that they make. So it was kind of an interesting tactic to begin with, but you could just tell they were going to make this a if you don't go the way that we go, you're a denier, right? So think about climate change. You think about people, even if you just kind of raise your hand because you have a clarifying question about climate change or global warming, you're like, oh, you're a denier. You're a climate change denier. You're a science denier. It's, it's kind of that nonsense. It felt like that was the direction that they were going to go. But in the last eight months, there has been tremendous political upheaval on this issue right there have been a lot of states like new york and illinois that have basically said yep we want to have abortion right up to the moment of birth because that's awesome and then on the other side of it you have states that are basically getting rid of that right they're they're uh, instituting heartbeat bills and stuff like that and you know they're they're getting rid of like the state of alabama getting rid of abortion essentially for for any reason setting up some you know you know some very interesting things that are going to happen with the Supreme Court and other things like that. But the thing that's interesting here is Planned Parenthood is going to go back in the political direction. They feel like they should fight this on the grounds of politics, that that is where they're going to be able to make the most headway with the public. And I mean, to, to be able to do an about face within, you know, not even three quarters of the year, I mean, just eight months is, is pretty interesting, which shows me this. It shows that pro-lifers have pro-baby killers on the run. I mean, it really does. I mean, Planned Parenthood isn't the only organization that advocates in the way that they do. There's another one that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. But at the same time, why make such a huge change? I mean, they're kind of laying at the feet of Dr. Wynn, all these losses that they've had on the national side of things. Right. And, and abortions keep going down every year. The number of people that get abortions, uh, even though access for abortions are are coming down just very minimally, it's, it's not one of those things where like, if you, if you want an abortion, that it's going to really take too much of an inconvenience for you to go and kill your baby. It's just kind of one of those things. But I think this is an important story for us to continue to look at. And I would look for the new president and CEO and, and the people that they do. I would look for them to be more overtly political. And you have to look at it this way. Also, we're at the end of 2019. A year from now, we're going to be right in the thick of the final stages of a presidential election, right? Now, I don't think that abortion is going to be a major topic, but one thing I can say is if you can look at the Democratic Party right now and the people that they're putting on the stage and kind of look at their radicalism, I bet it comes up. I mean, if Trump's team is, is going to be effective at communicating, hey, not only should you vote for me, but you really, really shouldn't vote for them, kind of a situation setting up that dichotomy, it's an important thing for him to point out just exactly what these people are advocating for, right? You have candidates like Pete Buttigieg and all these other people that are coming out and basically changing scripture around to basically make it seem like abortion is not only acceptable, but morally right? To do that in certain situations. So be on the lookout for what Planned Parenthood is going to be doing as they move forward. But let's go ahead and get to the next story here. So uh, this story is Ulrich Klopfer. I think I'm saying his name right. This is a doctor that died, um, but he left behind some trophies. Okay. So this is a very, very uh, prominent abortion doctor that died here recently. But the bodies of 2,246 right? So let's not make this an inexact number. 2,246 aborted babies were found in his garage. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. So this guy died on September third of this year, and on September twelfth, just a little over a week later, the Will County Coroner's Office—that's in Illinois—they received a call from the attorney that was basically representing the family, and the family reported finding fetal remains among Cloffer's, you know, personal property, and they were requesting them to be removed and be removed in the proper fashion, right? But here's the thing about this story that is just absolutely astonishing. The drama in the story is just around the fact that Klaffer transported these dead babies across state lines. That that's like the big drama for most people because he killed these babies in Indiana, but he lived in Illinois. And so he would basically, I don't know, put them in his briefcase, put them in the trunk of his car, whatever he did, and he would bring them back home to Illinois and put them up in his garage so he could look at them, right? Now, Illinois Interestingly enough, that is one of the states, as I mentioned earlier, that passed a law allowing abortion up to the moment of birth. They, they just passed that this year, right? But the interesting thing about this particular story, and this this kind of gets back to Pete Buttigieg again, this is right in his backyard. This is in his district. But the thing that was interesting about his reaction is that he didn't really have one. I believe it was over a week after the story had broke before he was even asked about it. Because again, these guys don't don't go uh, into different areas where they're going to be asked challenging questions. They're going to go get softball questions on The View or on some you know left-wing radio station or something like that. But he finally made a statement about it. And I'm not even going to say anything about the statement because there was basically nothing to it. Now, I'm not saying that this is Pete Buttigieg's fault, but at the same time, I think it's pretty easy. Even if you're a pro- baby killer, right? You think that's an okay thing that we should do. You should probably think that trophies is not really a good thing to do, right? Because you don't have to be an expert on serial killers or, you know, criminal minds or any of those types of things to to understand the significance of trophies, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all heard of a very, very famous uh, serial killers and the the types of trophies that they would keep of their victims, right? So you have Ed Gain, that's the guy who uh, Silence of the Lambs and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are loosely based on. He would keep his victims' faces. He was bas- basically cut their faces off. I mean, you had Ted Bundy, who would display his victims' decapitated heads in his depart in his apartment, right? Like he would just cut their heads off and he would leave them in there for a few days. You know, you got Jeffrey Dahmer, he would preserve his victims' genitals, right? You have the the BTK killer, that's Dennis Rader, and BTK is bind, torture, kill, but he he would keep, oddly enough, he would keep his victims' driver's licenses. That was something that kind of helped him get off. You know, you had Kermit Gosnell, right? So we've talked about him before on this podcast. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He kept dead babies' feet, right? He kept them in little jars in his office. I mean, the thing that's interesting here is that this guy is clearly a serial killer, right? And it's not just by the fact that he's killed probably in his life thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of human beings, But his actions are that of a serial killer, even outside of when he has a scalpel or a tube in his hands, right? I mean, this is serial killer stuff. So you have to think to yourself, if you're on the pro-choice side of this argument, how do you reckon that? I mean, because at the very, very least, you should be able to admit that this is gross and insane behavior. But at the same time, if you're okay with what he did, then why would you be okay with him keeping the remnants of it? Like if, if abortion is a morally neutral thing at worst, right? So again, understand what I'm saying. If it's a morally neutral thing at its worst, then why are we like absolutely taken aback by hearing this news? This is just a guy that killed babies and kept them in jars in his garage. It's not a big deal, is it? I mean, again, you kind of have to break down the insanity of people's arguments that are on the pro baby killing side of things, but just kind of is what it is. So the next story that we have here is titled, Abortionist Admits There's No Question Babies Are Born Alive and Killed to Harvest Their Organs." So I'm going to go ahead and read from an article that I found on Life News. And, and guys, don't worry, I'm going to give you links to all these different stories so you can go back and read them later. But I want to read directly from the article. This is the only story I'm going to do that with. But here we go. An abortionist who testified at undercover journalist David Daladine's hearing last week said there is no question that babies were born alive in the types of abortions discussed in the undercover videos. Daladine and fellow investigator Sandra Merritt faced felony charges for invasion of privacy in California after they exposed Planned Parenthood's allegedly illegal sales of aborted by baby body parts through a series of undercover videos. If convicted, they could be sent to prison. Earlier this month, a preliminary hearing revealed new details about the case, including a witness for the abortion industry admitting that the Center for Medical Progress, the CMP, videos were not altered. Then, a biotech company CEO who worked with Planned Parenthood could not deny that they harvested aborted baby hearts while they were still beating. The hearing concluded last week, and the judge has not decided if the case should go to a full trial. Breitbart reports. Uh, reports uh, Dr. Forrest Smith, an OBGYN and abortionist who had been practicing for decades, testifies as an expert witness about the statements that Planned Parenthood abortionists and others made in the CMP videos. Quote, there's no question in my mind that at least some of these fetuses were live births. Unquote. Smith testified. He referred to one of the undercover videos of a presentation by Planned Parenthood employee Elisa Goldberg about second trimester abortions. She spoke about using large doses of the drug misoprostol in order to carry out second trimester induced abortions in one day rather than the four it usually takes, live action reported. Smith testified that this would lead to a live birth. Large doses of misoprostol and said Smith would cause tumultuous labor that leads to fetal expulsion, meaning the baby would be born without any assistance from the abortionists and no instruments would be used. He testified that very few abortionists other than Planned Parenthood do this. When asked if misoprostol was used, but not the drug digoxin, which stops the baby's heartbeat, Smith said, no question, it's alive. All testimony we have seen, no breathing, no movement, no cord or arms, legs torn off. The assumption is that is fetal demise, but that's completely wrong. Smith said, according to the daily wire, he said the baby is alive. If his or her heart is beating, the baby is alive. If his or her heart is beating. Okay. So here's a few things to talk about on the insanity of the story. Number one, had you heard of that? because you may have heard about the Planned Parenthood videos that came out several years ago. I mean, really a long time ago. Now you may have heard that these people are in the middle of a lawsuit and of course the state of California, but did you hear this testimony? I mean, did you hear that? I mean, using such large amounts of misoprostol that usually it would take four days for your baby to die. They just rushed it to be one day. Because basically how misoprostol works if I'm, uh, you know, recalling it correctly, basically the baby will die inside the womb and then it will be expelled outside the body, right? So it's basically dead on arrival, okay? But when you use this amount of misoprostol, it will basically expel the the baby from the body while it's still alive. Meaning that the abortionist is actively killing it once birth has taken place or they're just leaving it to the side and waiting for it to quote unquote expire. So welcome to anyone who is pro-choice and I welcome you to contact me and try to give me some reason as to why that is something that we should allow people to do. Feel free. It's going to be a bad day for you, bad day for you, but I welcome it. Come on. How can you read that story and think to yourself, you know what? I'm I'm just so glad a woman can be able to do that. That's just so good. Really? I mean, there's not a whole lot you know, of meat left on the bone of that kind of a story. These are things that are actually happening. And the people that are testifying here are not people that are on the, the pro-life side of things. These are people that are abortionists or people that work for companies that make a lot of money off of Planned Parenthood. But just look at it. Even they, when forced to tell the truth, they're like, yeah, yeah, the, a lot of these babies are, they probably call them the fetuses. A lot of these fetuses are probably alive when we harvest their organs. So I would just ask you, we have a lot of evidence to say that within about 10 weeks, we know that the baby can feel pain inside the womb. So for you, imagine how terribly and unbelievably painful it would be if someone were to harvest your organs while you're alive. Wouldn't that be awful? Now imagine that with a newborn. Absolutely ridiculous move on to the next story before I break my computer in half. So President Trump, right? So uh, he was in front of the UN and he basically said this, quote, every child born and unborn is a sacred gift from God. So these really were unprecedented remarks for an American president to say in front of the UN. Uh, He told the General Assembly this exact quote here, quote, like many nations here today, we in America believe that every child born and unborn is a sacred gift from God, unquote. So the thing about it is the United Nations, uh, aside from being basically a bullcrap organization, um they, they, they have a lot of treaties that are monitoring or bo- uh, monitoring bodies, and uh, they have a lot of employees and officials with the UN um, that basically assert that uh, abortion is okay, and they're very, very left-wing, but uh, Do- or Donald Trump also said this. He said, quote, they have attempted to assert a global right to taxpayer-funded abortion on demand right up to the moment of delivery, unquote, and that's exactly the truth. There's a lot of organizations that are trying to get rid of laws and or enact laws that will allow, you know, companies like ours or not companies, countries like ours that are paying for abortions in other countries and paying for abortions of groups that we don't like. I mean, it's, it's really one of those types of things. And, you know, he basically reminded this Trump again, reminded all these bureaucrats that they quote, have absolutely no business attacking the sovereignty of nations that wish to protect innocent life. So again, here's the deal. Here's the thing about Donald Trump. If you haven't heard me say it, I will say it again. I had two opportunities to vote for the man and I didn't do it. I could have voted for him in the Republican primary. I didn't. I voted for Rubio and I could have voted for him in the general election, but I didn't. And I didn't vote for Clinton either. I left the top of my ballot blank because I don't think Trump is a very good person. I don't think he meets my basic standards of human decency. And I don't, I didn't want to have to be saddled with this desire or, you know, basically uh, need to defend everything that he's ever said. Right. But Donald Trump has been incredibly, incredibly pro-life as a president. I mean, and, and here's the thing, if I were to go out on a limb, I don't know that I would exactly agree that he's been pro-life for very long. Obviously, this is a guy that has a long track record of saying things out loud, and we can see a lot of quotes from him about, you know, things that are very, very on the pro-choice side of things. But since he has been president and since he's been running for president, he's been incredibly and directly pro-life. I mean, you you don't remember hearing these types of things from George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush. You, you just don't remember hearing these types of things. And I got to say for me that I am incredibly, incredibly satisfied with how he's acted. I'm incredibly satisfied with the things that he's been able to enact, even just on the front side. I'm disappointed in the first two years that he spent in office with a Republican Congress uh, that they didn't defund Planned Parenthood even further. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't just cut them off entirely when he had the ability to do so almost unilaterally. Um, But again, Donald Trump is saying these things. He's saying these things with gigantic microphones in front of him, and I like how Boldy being about the subject, even though I don't actually believe that he feels that he is actually pro-life. Okay. Next story here is just like all the other stories. It's terrible. Uh, there's an Australian state that passed a bill allowing abortions up to the day of birth. So this was in September. It's the Australian state of New South Wales. So that is basically the San Francisco of, uh, Australia. Some would even say that they're farther left of San Francisco down there in New South Wales, but basically you can kill your baby, even on the day you're supposed to give birth, as long as you have permission of two doctors and a quote unquote hospital committee, which I could only assume that you're not going to be stopped by the doctors or the quote unquote hospital committee, because that's how they get paid, right? They have to do things in order to be paid money. And so I doubt they're going to, you know, all of a sudden have an attack of conscience and say, you know what, you probably shouldn't kill your baby uh, because we don't need the money. I I can assume that they're probably not going to say that. But uh, really the news to report here is obviously the law that was passed, but the pro-abortion politicians and activists, right after this was passed, they were seen hugging and cheering. So this is very similar to what we saw in New York, is it not? Right? Right when you saw the video inside the chambers of, of New York's, um, you know, the, their poli- the political chamber. I, I can't remember what the name of it is, but inside where they basically do all the laws and crap. I can't remember the name, but they're basically sitting there and they're all screaming and hollering because they're just so, so excited that they can kill babies up to the moment of birth. It, it just wasn't good enough that they could kill them a few months into gestation or any of those types of things. They had to have it up till the moment of birth, right? They absolutely had to do that. But the thing that was very interesting about this subject and about this news as well, is that the pro-abortion lawmakers, they rejected a really long list of amendments, right? I mean, they basically rejected all amendments that could have been made to this, which kind of says that if you were fighting this law down there and you were on the pro-life side of things, that this kind of half measure way of doing thing doesn't really work well because they're just going to basically reject it if they have the power. But they were they rejected amendments that included the banning the sale of aborted baby parts and you know requiring pain medication for unborn babies that were capable of feeling pain before you ripped them to shreds and killed them, murdered them. So it was just one of those things. Again, I think the big takeaway for me on this story is I'm, I'm way more so getting pulled to the side of the argument that these little half measures that I even just mentioned a second ago that are basically just chipping away at people's rights to abortion, that they don't really work. Right. And you might say, well, if we, if we get it moved from, you know, 20 weeks to 18 weeks, you know, it's better. We'll save some children. Yeah, you you will certainly save some. And that's incredibly, incredibly important. But at the same time, you don't think it's right to kill them at 18 weeks. So why are you advocating for that? You're, you're advocating to put a governor on a weapon that basically has unlimited, like, or, you know, vehicle that has an unlimited miles per hour capability, right? Like it's, it's just kind of one of those things that you're just going to basically do this in whatever direction that you want. So, so why are you going that route? So I'm more so and more so going into the camp of screw that. No, abortion is wrong in every circumstance, including rape and incest, because yes, as horrible and horrific as a situation that is, as that is, it's incredibly rare. And I don't think the baby should get the death penalty for what, you know, the dad did, right? I don't think that that's an appropriate way of doing things. Okay. Next story we got up here is the ACLU, the wonderful American civil liberties union, as they're so-called. They want the Supre- they want the Supreme court to overturn a Kentucky law, which would basically would let women see the ultrasound of their baby before an abortion. Okay. Now you have to think, the ACLU, which is incredibly, incredibly left-wing, why would they want to do that? Because again, most of the people in that organization are incredibly pro-abortion. So why would they want to keep women in Kentucky of all places from being able to see an ultrasound of their baby before an abortion? Is it potentially because when you look at an ultrasound, you see a baby? Is, is that maybe the reason for it? Because here's the thing, guys, if Roe v. Wade took place this year, no way it would have ever been passed. No way. Because we have 4D ultrasounds. You can almost hold your baby in your hands before they're delivered. And they know that when a woman or the or the father, whenever they see their baby on the screen, it all of a sudden looks like a baby, like a human being that doesn't deserve the death penalty because you don't want to be inconvenienced, right? Right. And that's just kind of one of those things. You have to look at these organizations. Why are they thinking that this is a really good idea? Because again, uh, the people that are ACLU card-carrying members, they're not going to fight against that. They're going to be like, yeah, yeah, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, you know, whatever they say goes for us. But, you know, we'll see what the Supreme Court does. Again, the Supreme Court has, you know, a slight... Uh, majority in their, their direction. I mean, Kavanaugh has not, like I kind of said from the beginning, he's not going to be the the conservative and constitutional conservative that I think we were all hoping for. I, I kind of wish we would have got someone else in there, but it's just kind of one of those, one of those things that you're going to keep seeing laws like this coming up because we don't want women to see their babies because if they see them, don't want to keep them probably, which would be the best thing for them to do. All right. The next thing we have here is that Planned Parenthood wants to remove warning labels from my, uh, or Meyer Pristone is how it's pronounced Okay. So myopristone is an abortion drug. It has killed at least 24 women that we know of and their babies, of course, but it's also injured thousands more expectant mothers, right? This is a dangerous drug, not just for baby, but for mom too. So this drug has obviously killed hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of children, but on the label, There is something called REMS, R-E-M-S. That is the Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategies, which is basically used by the FDA for warning labels. That's what you put on things that are dangerous, right? But Planned Parenthood wants the label removed so that women can more easily access this at-home abortion pill, okay? So there's a lot of reasons why Planned Parenthood would want to do this. One, because they're satanic and evil and they just want to kill as many babies as possible. That's reason number one. But beyond that, the more people that get abortions, the more money that they make, right, right? They make money every time you do an abortion, whether they're ripping the baby out limb from limb from your womb, or if they're giving you the pill that goes into your body and like boils the baby alive and kills it, right? You know, it's all those different things that they're able to do. So it really helps their bottom line and it helps their business. But there's another thing here. There's a psychological aspect because some women, they don't end up getting abortions because they're scared of going to the abortion clinic because maybe there are some Christians outside praying you know, asking if, if they can uh, adopt their baby, if they can help them. And maybe someone will see them as they're driving in there. Maybe someone will know what happened after maybe they don't show up to school or show up to work for a few days after or a week after, right? So if you can do an at-home abortion, it's like the most 2019 millennial thing possible. It's like, wait, I want to get food, but I don't want to leave my house. Great. I got Uber Eats. Wait, I need to go from this part of town to that part of town, but I don't want to drive my car. Great. I can do Uber or Lyft or something like that. Everything is about our convenience and we want it now, right? Well, apparently you can do that with abortions. You can do that with abortion pills that kills human beings. Isn't that so awesome? I'm so glad we got to this point in humanity where we can just kill babies. It's almost like a vending machine type of a thing. You've heard that about the University of California system of colleges that they're, you know, wanting to basically have this as a vending machine item, right? So you can basically get pregnant and kill your baby. Like that's just something that they want us to be able to do. Right. So again, you got to pay attention to stories like this because this is not a small story. This isn't, you know, the FDA and a company that's, you know, trying to, you know, they're basically in a pissing contest about whether or not they're going to be able to do this thing or that thing. You know, it's bigger than that. It's always bigger than that. Okay. Another story that came up recently is Dr. Charles Benjamin. He closed his abortion mill business uh, after being in business since 1978. So this is significant because he... Is, has testified to have killed over 40,000 babies by himself. 40,000. Now this guy's clinic closing is the ninth abortion clinic to close in the state of Pennsylvania, so praise God for that. And that's just in the last seven years or so. But the thing about this guy, if you if you recognize his name, because he testified during the trial of Herman Gosnell that you know that he was they were basically asking him for his testimony, and then they asked him you know basically how many babies have you aborted or how many fetuses have you extinguished or how are they worded it uh, since you've been in practice, and he testified that he killed over forty thousand babies by himself, right? And it was kind of one of those things that when people were in the courtroom that day, including the jury, when they heard him say that, so, you know, just basically haphazardly and just kind of whatever, you know, laissez-faire about it, there was an audible gasp inside of the chamber that day, inside the court chamber. I, I mean, and that that's one thing, like, of course, because he was just so, yeah, whatever, this is just kind of something that I do. Right, that's like saying, yeah, I, f- I filed forty thousand people's taxes. Right, that's just basically how the guy said it. But the other thing that was interesting here, again, Planned Parenthood, our favorite villain here, um, they actually compensated Dr. Benjamin for over three million dollars since two thousand and eight. Three million dollars. Now, remember, Planned Parenthood would like to tell you that they are just an advocacy group for the health of women. Right, you know, they want to do mammograms and they want to do pap smears and they want to do stuff like that. It's just women's health. It's women's health, don't you know? right? That, that's what they're here for. But for a women's health organization that basically doesn't charge a whole lot, if anything, for some of their minor services, some of which that they list that they don't actually provide, how could they give $3 million over a span, a short span since 2008 to one single doctor? Because we know that he wasn't the only doctor that was being compensated through the clinic. There were many other doctors that were being compensated all over the country, right? Per- perhaps all over the world. Is it maybe because their cash cow is abortion? Is it maybe because if you work for Planned Parenthood, they basically have quotas that you have to hit for how many babies that you kill as a clinic every year, or they threaten to shut you down or fire you, right? I think that's important to note. But again, this is just one guy. So it's kind of hard whenever someone says, oh yeah, there's about a million abortions in America every year. And those types of things, you hear those stats, but this is one doctor in one part of the country, 40,000 by himself. And we don't consider him a serial killer. I, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say. I don't really know what else to say about that other than the fact that I this is absolute insanity that people think that this is okay. But anyway, we'll go into our last story of the day. And this is the most recent one. So NARAL, which is a super radical pro-baby murder organization, they celebrated their 50th anniversary, unfortunately, here recently in September. Um, and they were founded back in the day, 50 years ago, to combat what they called back alley abortions, right? Back alley abortions. But the interesting thing about back alley abortions, which is what you always hear about, oh, these women are going to be forced to go in a back alley with a coat hanger and try to get an abortion. When you hear about stuff like that, all the stats around that time were completely fabricated, right? They, they made it seem like this was this ubiquitous thing, that this was happening all over the place, as opposed to happening probably a few dozen times, which is horrific every time. But as opposed to a few dozen times, they they wanted you to think it was an epidemic, that this thing was probably happening in the alley behind your house, right? Even one of their founders, who, who later became pro-life, thank God, he confirmed as much. He confirmed that, oh yeah, we, we pretty much lied about the statistics from the beginning because we were just very, very pro-choice and we needed to kind of, you know, make a name for ourselves and establish this organization. So we just made it seem like it was a bigger issue than it was. But the at their 50th anniversary celebration, they gave Hillary Clinton, you know, the not president Hillary Clinton, they gave her a lifetime achievement award. And they introduced her as our president, which is pretty funny because she's most certainly not anyone's president right now. But the thing about it is during her speech, she spent most of her time criticizing Donald Trump, which surprise, surprise, Hillary Clinton, another Democrat, is just sitting there spending her time in front of a group of people, basically about how much she hates Donald Trump. And I'm sure they cheered and they giggled and they had a great time with it. But I just wonder if I was able to interview Hillary Clinton amongst other questions I would ask her, I would say, what exactly does one have to do in order to be given the Lifetime Achievement Award for NARAL? Because I'm assuming that Hillary Clinton has never actually murdered a baby with her own hands, right? I doubt she's put on the gloves and and got the suction tube and shoved it up the woman's vagina and sucked the baby out piece by piece. I doubt she got in there with a tool and basically scraped the uterine wall to make sure that there wasn't an arm left in there or part of the torso. I'm sure she's never done that. So what did she have to do to receive this award? And the thing is, is there's not a real answer to it. It's, it was 50th anniversary. They had to bring somebody up there and needed to be a big, ma- big name. There aren't much bigger names in politics, good or bad than Hillary Clinton. And it just kind of is what it is. But the thing about it is the fact that this organization is still around is just basically a testament to where we're at right now, where we're at currently in our society and things that we find acceptable. And um, I'm not one of those people that thinks that we should get rid of organizations that we don't like, especially if the organizations are made up of individual people. That's the biggest argument uh, as to why the NRA should be able to stay in force, regardless of your views on gun violence or uh, gun deaths or any of those types of things. It's because the NRA is just a group of people, right? It became an organization, but it's individual people using their money to be members. And so it's the same thing as I understand it for NARAL. But at the same time, it's organizations like them and Planned Parenthood and the advocacy, as they would call it, that they do all around the country. They are literally responsible for millions and millions of deaths in this country. And someday they'll have to reckon for it. But guys, I I, to, I went through all those different stories. I wanted to spend a good time, you know, basically bringing you up to date on all the news that's happened there. But this is my message to you, okay? The first thing is you have got to stay informed, right? I'm going to do my best to keep you informed on the stories that I think are pertinent to you and things that you can use. But, you know, I'm not your babysitter. I'm not going to wipe your butt for you. Like, you need to stay informed on your own, okay? The second thing is you guys need to change some minds, okay? Because no one really wants to engage on this topic, right? Certainly not on social media. And I would be one of those people as well. It's hard for me to engage on, on social media on topics that are actually this big, that have this much nuance and this much emotion attached to them. Right. But it's your job to change minds as a Christian. If you honestly think that babies are being slaughtered on a daily basis in this country, you got to do something about it. You, you really can't just sit, sit by and watch something happen. I mean, you can't do that. This might seem a little bit weird, but I just saw a video of a bull elk in Colorado that was basically in town somewhere. And it was, you know, gigantic bull elk. It's it's mad. And, you know, there's this woman and man walking and all of a sudden the man runs off and the woman basically gets trampled by this bull elk. And this elk is basically, you know, hitting her with, with its antlers and things like that. And, you know, there's a bunch of men kind of standing around idly by one guy's got a camera in his hand and he's just kind of walking away. I mean, this woman could have been killed. As far as I know, she, she was just injured. She wasn't killed at all. But I mean, it was one of those situations where I saw a bunch of men in the frame of this small video, not doing a damn thing. And I see the same thing just about anywhere else. This is, I mean, this subject matter isn't any different. I see a bunch of men that if you get them in Sunday school or if you get them in a a small group or something like that, they'll be like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm pro-life and you know, I don't really think, uh, you know, we should be able to kill women and, you know, you know, maybe for, you know, if if it's uh, you know, uh, rape or incest or something like that, maybe or something like, and you got all these people that are basically like pussyfooting around the issue and they're not really wanting to get after it because the last message I have for you is you got to keep the pressure on guys. Why do you think I put out episode 78 of this podcast for my own health? You think I like screaming? In, in my studio by myself, right? That's not something that I enjoy doing, but it's important. If you guys don't know how to combat these arguments, if you don't know how to root them out, if you don't know how to get people to basically remove all the veneer off of their argument and just look at it right there in front of them, you're probably not going to change a mind. And just think about it. If you have a very cordial, but very pointed conversation about the abortion topic with somebody, don't you think you can do that with a lot of other different subjects? Is there another subject on this planet that is more charged than abortion? I mean, there's not that many. You might say about gun laws or immigration, or maybe basically, you know, Islam versus Christianity. Maybe there's some other things that are out there like that. There's not a whole lot of things out there. There's not a long list of things that are hard for you guys to kind of, you know, wrap your minds around how you can have that conversation with somebody. So if you can master it, in this particular subject matter, it'll help you in all other aspects of life. Think about the number of conversations that might lead to somebody accepting Christ because you're showing them, hey, do you know why I think life is important? Is because God says so. That's why I think life is important. You know why else? Because Jesus loves everybody, right? And he died for everybody that would accept him, right? I mean, he died for everybody, but it's just some of us can't accept him and some of us can choose not to, right? Sorry, Calvinists. But at the same time, it's one of those things where... You, you may not be able to do that if you don't know how to keep the pressure on. If you just kind of say, oh, I don't know. it just kind of is what it is. I guess we can agree to disagree. No, no, no. We cannot agree to disagree on this particular subject. No, never, never. I will never agree to something like that. You need to have the same outlook if you're going to change minds. All right, guys, before we get out of here, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. If you know by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today for you guys and your mental resilience, I've got a list of all of those different stories that I took you guys through. So they're all through lifenews.com. You can look at the stuff that they've got there. You can go to other websites and look at similar information that it goes, uh, goes from, but I wanted to make sure that you had it all in one place. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, that is how this podcast is going to continue to get out to an even bigger audience. So please leave us that five-star review and leave us a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2019 and for the beginning of 2020. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast, to your men's event, to your team, whatever, hit me up, info at Life. Again, the email is info at Life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash Undaunted Life. Check out our free devotionals on the UVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is their song, King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.